I was going to say, can you imagine going to like a car dealership and the car salesman's like, yep, this is how I get paid for this transaction. I have to act in your best interest. I'm not going to make more on one car versus another. Be- <laughs> that could change the whole st- status of all kinds of industries. Yeah, be a disruptor. Yeah. <laughs> This is the Generally Accepted Accounting Podcast. That's GAP for all you accounting nerds. It's a podcast produced by Casey Peterson, LTD. We're a firm of CPAs and financial advisors based in Rapid City, South Dakota, and we'll be talking about tax, finance, accounting, audit, and a bunch of other topics that sound really boring, but that we're going to make hip and cool. Or we'll try anyway. So stick around to learn more. Are you ready to count the number of times we say fiduciary? That's right. On today's episode of the podcast, we'll be talking with Kevin DeMent from our wealth management partner, Avantex. And as promised, we'll be discussing fiduciary responsibility, what it means to be a fiduciary, and how you should select a fiduciary. Listen in to learn more. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on the podcast today, everybody. Today we have with us uh, Kevin Dement. He is a principal client development with Avantex Retirement Plan Services. And today we're talking about fiduciary responsibility and what it means to be a fiduciary and how people will go about selecting a fiduciary. So thanks for joining us, Kevin. How's it going? It's going great. Getting a little blown away here, but having a great day. Living in a wind tunnel, are you? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> It is it is a season by which I don't know what that in the Midwest it's just wind season. That's all we have anymore. Pretty much year round, yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna jump right in. We're talking about fiduciary responsibility. So fiduciary is one of those very financial, technical kinds of sounding words. So what does it mean to be a fiduciary? Yeah, so fiduciary can there's a lot of different roles a fiduciary plays inside a retirement plan. But no matter what the role is, how you select one and what is what does it mean to be a fiduciary is really the same thing. A fiduciary always has to operate in the best interest of the participants in the retirement plan. Fiduciary cannot be looking out for, for their own interest. It's always what's best for the employees and the retirement plan itself. Okay. So when you say that they're not acting in their best interest, so the, a fiduciary isn't acting in the best interest of the fiduciary, but they're acting in the best interest of the person they're serving or their client. Is that right? Am I saying that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. So the fiduciary always has to look out for the employees in the retirement plan, not necessarily what's best for the person acting as a fiduciary, rather what's best for the employees. Okay, I got you. So do you have to do anything, if you're a fiduciary, do you have to do anything specific? Like, do you have to be super aware of like a conflict of interest kind of thing? Or how do you how do you make sure that you are doing everything in the best interest of the client or the person you're serving? Yeah, that's a great question. So first, a fiduciary needs to be knowledgeable in the role that they're performing. So what what I mean by that is if I'm acting as an investment fiduciary, I have to have that level of expertise and knowledge to effectively be, perform that role. If I'm okay. doing day-to-day administration fiduciary work, I have to understand what the rules are so that there is no conflict of interest. Let me give you an example. If I'm acting as a, an investment fiduciary and I'm picking investments that I will make more money on, that is a conflict of interest and I cannot do that. So okay. as an investment fiduciary, I have to be looking at, for example, which funds perform up to our investment policy statement and the standards that we have set okay. and offer the participants, for example, the lowest cost. As a fiduciary, I cannot make any money off of the investments that I recommend. Oh, okay. 
All right. So that that's sort of there's like a high level of integrity to be able to do that. Right. I mean, you have to be really transparent about what you're doing. Are there like a lot of disclaimers or disclosures that you have to make then as a fiduciary? You actually yeah, that's a great point. So one of the things in the role you're acting as a fiduciary, it actually has to be disclosed. For example, in the annual participant fee disclosures, you'll need to disclose that you're acting in that fiduciary capacity on the investment side. Yes. In addition, in order to provide investment level fiduciary protection and services, you have to have the right designation and licensing. For example, you have to be a registered investment advisor and or investment advisory firm to offer those. And you have to make sure that you're not offering investments that you make more money on or a commission, for example, or if you are a retirement provider, you're not necessarily offering your in-house investment solutions. Okay, so you're not just focused on what you offer as a product if it's not in the best interest of the client or whoever you're trying to help. Correct. It's not saying you can't offer your own investments, for example, but you have to have a nice follow-through path of why those were chosen, how they compete against the benchmarks, their peer group, how has the history been there. And again, there needs to be what they call an investment policy statement that will outline how the investments are chosen, monitored, and or removed from the plan. So that's an way sort of segue. So you do all this work, but then how does a fiduciary actually get paid? Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, a fiduciary by, by default really should not be and cannot be paid from the investments that they're offering. So fiduciaries generally will be paid as a fee-for-service solution. They can be a dollar amount. So they're going to say, for example, on an annual basis, I'm going to be paid X dollar amount for these services. Okay. They can be paid as an asset-based fee based on the assets in the plan. For example, I'm going to get 0.5% of the total assets on an annual basis, but they should have their fees be benchmarked too to ensure that the charges that they are assessing for the services that they're providing match the industry standard. Because even if I'm an investment fiduciary to the plan, at the end of the day, there's still somebody higher up at the company that's monitoring the return plan that needs to ensure my services and fees are appropriate for what I deliver. Okay, gotcha. So there's nothing that in doing that and making sure that a fiduciary isn't making money on investments that does sort of help keep everything transparent and on the level. Then if you're just charging for services, then that kind of can help people feel like, well, they're not just recommending something that's going to make them more money. That's correct. You're correct. Okay. And it needs to be disclosed, though. We need to fiduciaries need to disclose again what they're being paid and how they're being paid for that services. So it's something that if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I need help with my investments, you you have to say like you have a bunch of <laughs> like any financial services. Here's a metric ton of paperwork where I disclose how I get paid. So everything's on the up and up. Actually, that's a great point when you bring that up. That brings you into a different level. If somebody's going to solicit you for services, before there's any discussion, you actually have to disclose to them in a format that basically says, here are my charges. They need to have that in an easy to understandable language before they get into any finite discussions with the advisor. So it's right up front, right away. This is what I charge. No, there's nothing hidden. You're not going to make this suddenly make decisions and then realize, oh my gosh, this is what the fees are later. Right. You're not going to get hidden. Okay. Yeah, that has to be disclosed to them prior to entering into any relationship with a financial advisor. It would be nice if other organizations and <laughs> professions did the same thing. I was going to say, can you imagine going to like a car dealership and the car salesman's like, yep, this is how I get paid for this transaction. I have to act in your best interest. I'm not going to make more on one car versus another. Be <laughs> that could change the whole status of all kinds of industries. Yeah, be a disruptor. Yeah. 
So if somebody is looking to pick, choose a fiduciary, like what should they, what should they look for? What should they be aware of? Yeah. So you really want to look for somebody that has expertise and experience in the role that they're doing. So if you're looking for a fiduciary to handle the day-to-day administration of the plan, right? Whether that's determining if somebody's eligible for, for a loan, somebody's eligible, you know, meets their eligibility to enter the plan, can they take this hardship? Or on the investment side, look for somebody that has the experience to do that. Do they understand? Do they know all the mechanics of ERISA, which is Employee Retirement Income Security Act that came out back in 1974 that fully discloses how they're able to do that. And they have the knowledge and expertise to perform those functions. So is that something that they get in writing or how does someone get that information about a fiduciary? A lot of it can be done on questions. So a lot of times when you're you're speaking to a provider that delivers these services, as the company, they should ask those questions. Tell me your experience you have in delivering these services. What expertise do you have? Can I have somebody that, you know, as a reference to, that you're currently working with that can validate what you're saying is what you're delivering on? The next so it's almost an interview kind of thing. It's basically you're interviewing them to see that they are who they say they are. They have the experience that they say they have and that they have a third party who can say, yep, they do the things that they say that they're going to do. You're exactly right. But the last piece that's very important, and this is, you know, there's no law that says you have to do this, but it's it's a strong opinion of mine, is make sure that whatever they're saying, they put in writing. Okay. So, for example, if they're, you know, if they say they are an investment fiduciary, they should have in writing what services they are. They okay. should, if they're an administrative fiduciary, what are they doing? Because that really protects the client. At the end of the day, if the client comes back a year from now and says, you said you were going to do this, and they say, no, well, actually, yes. It's in writing in a contract, in a service agreement that the client has readily available to ensure that their provider is delivering that service. Because as the trustee of the retirement plan, you are still bound by ensuring that the people that are providing you services are delivering on what they're saying. So that right. actually protects the company too. So it's just a good way. It's just not doing business with a handshake. You are doing your due diligence. You're getting everything in writing, whether that's for an organization or an individual you want to make sure that you have things that can protect yourself later and that the person that you hired to be the fiduciary is doing everything that they said that they would do in the beginning. Exactly. To that point, if someone is looking for a good or reputable fiduciary, like what kind of credentials should they be looking for? What kind of credentials do fiduciaries typically hold? Yeah. So there are a number of different credentials that a fiduciary could have. First off, it depends on what level of fiduciary services you're providing. If you are an investment fiduciary delivering what they call 338 investment management. A 338 fiduciary basically means you have full authority to select, deselect, and monitor the investments inside the plan. In order to hold that service, you need to have a registered investment advisory designation. In addition, there are the Accredited Investment Fiduciary Designation, AIF. This is done through FI360. FI360 is a national firm that will provide benchmarking and services on retirement plans. Now for administration's fiduciary, there's a lot of different designation. There's, you know, through ASPA, which is American Society Pension Professionals and Actuaries, they have multiple levels of testing. NIPA, National Independent Pension Administrators, they have different levels of certification. So at the end of the day, those certifications help show that the person delivering those services have knowledge-based to perform the functions that are being requested. 
So not only is a fiduciary uh, a technical term, there's an alphabet soup that goes with it to make sure that you're getting the right kind of fiduciary. Yeah. Well, the other thing, the other thing great about the certifications, like through ASPA, for example, mm-hmm. you have annual, you know, education that you got to commit to in order to maintain that certification. So it's not just a once and done, for example. Right. You have, you know, as a holder of those designations, you have to have annual, you know, training to ensure you're up to speed and up to the levels that you need to perform those jobs. And actually, on ASPA, there's an ethical standard in there that says. No ASPA member can perform a function that they are not highly skilled in. It's right in a certification that we have to sign every single year. Hmm. Has there ever been an, an instance where someone was found to <laughs> not be doing that? And they got like in trouble for it? I don't know. I'm just curious. Get kicked out. <laughs> it's very possible. I, I have not, <laughs> you don't have any stories to tell about people you know that got kicked out of ASPA? <laughs> no. The okay. folks that I with are our high quality folks. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> I have to imagine there's somebody out there that's tried to stretch the rules. No, Always no. Is. no you can't be a fiduciary and be sketchy. Nah, that go either. No. <laughs> yeah. What I think about a fiduciary, I think it's very important for people that administer retirement plans. And I'm talking about at the company level, the, the companies that are offering retirement plans, you know, companies have a lot to do to run their business and right. finding a good fiduciary that can protect them on the investments, the fiduciary, the employee education really can make the clients work a lot easier, right? The laws and regulations are changing all the time. In fact, where we're at right now, there is a whole bunch of new rules and regulations that are expected to be passed this year. So right. having a fiduciary that is lives and breathes this every single day can help ensure that their plan stays in compliance versus a company trying to read all the ERISA rules to know, am I doing this right? I firmly believe finding a fiduciary provider that can take that risk off a client's hand is always a good approach. Yeah. I mean, it's similar to our whole, as an accounting firm, we think you should work with a CPA because that's exactly what they do. They do the same things. They have the yearly trainings. They keep up to date with these things. They know what tax laws have changed, what accounting standards are different. It's the same thing if you're working with a fiduciary. Um, which is a nice segue into the fact that Avantex is actually our partner when it comes to retirement planning. Not only do we we work together um, to help clients, but then you guys also manage our our retirement plans as a company, which is cool. It all works out good. We got no complaints. Not well, no. thank you. <laughs> so thanks, Kim. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, if anybody has any questions, you can go to our website at caseypeterson.com. Under our services section, you'll find wealth management and financial planning services. Uh, otherwise, Avantex is one of our is our wealth management partner, and you can just visit their website at avantex.com. So thanks again, Kevin. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you guys. And now the legal stuff. This podcast and associated communications are intended to provide general information about tax, finance, investment, and other financial matters. Although Casey Peterson LTD has made every reasonable effort to ensure that the information provided is accurate, we make no warranties expressed or implied. Be aware that this is not a comprehensive analysis of the subject matter covered and is not intended to provide specific recommendations to you or your business. Investment advisory services are offered through Advantix Planning Partners. Commission-based securities products are offered through Advantix Investment Services, member F-I-N-R-A-S-I-P-C. Insurance services are offered through licensed agents of Avantex Planning Partners, 3200 Olympus Boulevard, Suite 100, Dallas, Texas, 75019.
The Avantix entities are independent of and unrelated to CPS Financial Services, LLP. Although Avantix does not provide or supervise tax or accounting services, our financial professionals may offer these services through their independent outside business. Not all financial professionals are licensed to offer all products or services. Financial planning and investment advisory services require separate licenses. Oh, Evan, can't believe we've gotten this far into our podcast episodes. This is the first accountant joke I'm about to make. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Are you ready? Okay. Are you sitting down? I am I am sitting down, actually, for those that can't see me right now that are listening to this podcast. Pretend you know what Evan looks like and you can see him sitting down. All right. How did the accountant unlock their door? By using the lock picking mechanism that they had. No. No. By using their 10 key. Oh, the ah. 10 key.